Well, I hope, uh, I hope you know the same thing, that your Redeemer lives, that he is alive indeed, and as we believe upon him, he lives in our lives through the Holy Spirit, and we have life because of him. Well, again, good morning to you all. Hope you had a wonderful Easter celebration with the Lord and with your family and, and uh, just rejoicing in who he is. We had a wonderful time in the snow down at the Park Center Pond, and uh, it was just delightful as God washed us white of snow and uh, really gave us the image that we needed to see. <laughs> it was sweet, sweet fellowship. So, We are going to be wrapping up in these next two weeks the Gospel of John, and we've gone through a wonderful, long journey and, uh, in seeing who our Savior is. This morning we're in chapter 21 if you want to turn there. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever been really afraid, terrified, not knowing how to get out of a situation, not knowing what is next? Let me tell you a little story. When I was uh, doing high school ministry, I can tell it now because it was many years ago, and I think I'm okay to tell it. We had in our high school ministry sort of a special ops team, and the special operations that the team did was typically to toilet paper people's homes, (laughs) and uh, we we had the full gear. We had the camo. uh, We had these little microphones that we could talk to each other. uh, We had all the face paint that went on, and so pretty much every weekend that we could, uh, we would go out on a special op. And this one weekend that we were headed out was, um, it was a home that was on Warm Springs Avenue, or no, excuse, yes, Warm Springs Avenue, and uh, it, it was an enormous house. Um, so this took a lot of planning, and, and, and literally 200 deals of uh, toilet paper, and uh, we were ready to go. So we had all five of us guys, and we got ready, and, and we had to plan out the backyard, had a pool and all these big shrubs back there, the front yard had shrubs and trees, and and so we mastered out each area that we were going to go to. And as we showed up and we began to, to do our operation, um, all of a sudden you hear over your little uh, headphone here, somebody is coming. Quick, hide. So <clears throat> we, uh, we're in the front yard, my buddy Ryan and I, and there's hedges out there. And so we dive under the hedges and we're kind of curled up looking out at Warm Springs Avenue about this much space underneath, and, and we're tucked under. We're like, who is coming? You know, did, what happened here? And so we are, we're doing this deal, and, and uh, then all of a sudden what I hear over the microphone is, it's the police. <laughs> Everything went into slow motion at that point. <laughs> Images of the Idaho statesman, youth pastor, <laughs> busted, <laughs> toilet papering house, and, and literally... Literally, this was a situation. So I'm hidden under here with Ryan. I'm going, I'm a youth pastor. The police are after us. And their footsteps come walking right here, you know, right in front of us. And I'm like, what do I do? I can't, I can't stay hidden. That's not a good thing as an adult and as a youth pastor. <laughs> and so I'm just about ready to get out. And the guy's, what are we going to do? You, you, all the screaming's going on over your headpiece, you know. Ah! And... Uh, and so, really, it was just a work of the Holy Spirit. But all of a sudden, <clears throat> all of a sudden, they get a call, like a burglary came over the deal. You know, you hear it on their deals. And they take off, and they run away. 
And we, uh, we were very uh, fortunate that day. And again, that's uh, past the seven-year limit. That was a long time ago. Uh, um, man, we were terrified. We were, ter- we were terrified of getting caught, uh, of being in trouble. And uh, I just want you to understand that fear. Because that fear is exactly where the disciples were. As Christ had died on the cross. And now they are gathered into a home, and, and we think it might be the same house where it was in the upper room, but they're gathered together. It had been an amazing day. Easter Sunday had come. And Jesus had appeared to many of them. And so now they get together to kind of talk about what was going on, but as the Scriptures show us, they're terrified because of the Jews. Fearful that they might be captured Fearful of what happened to their Lord, would the same thing come upon them? And so as we open up the text this morning, as we look in to see what was going on with the disciples, turn, if you will, to verse 10, or excuse me, verse 19. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked, Why? For fear of the Jews. And Jesus came and He stood among them and He said, Peace be with you. And after He said this, He showed them His hands and His side. And the disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. And again, Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent Me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them, and he said this, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone his sins, they are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. Jesus appears in their midst. It's one of these things, again, as little children, you always learn this Bible story that Jesus kind of showed up, and we never quite know how he got there. Did he walk through the wall? Did he just appear? We don't know. But he was there, right in the middle of them. And they're all gathered together. It's a Sunday evening service. And you could almost say that church came to Sundays uh, in the beginning. They did. They gathered on Sunday. And they did it again the following week. Their world was upside down. Again, their Lord Jesus had died. Now all of a sudden he's appearing and they're not sure what to do with this and what's happening. Everything is crazy. And, and in the other Gospels it says when they saw Jesus they were terrified. It wasn't immediate like, hey, here's Jesus. They were terrified of what was in the presence. And in this passage they were terrified most of all for fear of the Jews. What will happen to us? What's going to take place? We're in a new situation. We don't know, Lord, what you have for our lives now. All throughout Scripture, we see as God enters into lives, that he understands fear. And that it's okay for us. We are afraid at times. We're afraid to step out and try things. Afraid to to do some ministry because maybe it's a distant land. Maybe... It's, it's working with teenagers or, or young people, and they're scary. We don't know how to enter in. 
And God understands our fear. Have you had situations like that? Do you remember how God showed up in Judges chapter 6 to Gideon? And here he is hiding out in this wine press. And God shows up and says, hey, mighty warrior. And Gideon's confused because he's thinking you've got the wrong guy. And he says, listen, I'm going to send you out. You're going to be the one to do battle for me. And he says, Lord, what is going on? Who are you going to actually send? And, and God says, I'm sending you. I understand your fear. I'm sending you. Joshua, as he's about to enter the promised land, if you look at Joshua chapter 1, what do you see over and over again? Hey, Joshua, I'm taking you into the promised land. I know that's fearful. The other guys came back and said, there's giants in the land. Be strong and courageous. Why? For the Lord God is with you. That's one of the things I just want to remind you of this morning. As we deal with fear, the Lord God is, the risen Lord God is with you. And he says, I love you. And I know your fear, but guess what? I'm still sending you. And so here we go. And Jesus shows up in the middle of the disciples. They don't know what's next. They know that he's promised the Holy Spirit. They know that he said these things before. You told us you were going to die and come back, and it's, it's starting to slowly register, but still, confusion. And what does he offer them to those who are fearful? He says, peace, peace be upon you, peace be with you. In this little section that we're looking at this morning, three times, he offers that same statement, peace be upon you. Philippians 4, 6, the Lord is near. So be anxious for nothing, but in all things by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be known to God. And here's the promise. And the peace of God, which surpasses all of our human understanding, the promise is it will guard your hearts, it will guard your minds, in the Christ Jesus our Lord. They're fearful, we get fearful, And God says, bring these things to me. I'm not saying I'm going to answer your prayer the way you wanted it, but I do promise my peace will come upon you. The Lord is always offering his peace to us. And now figure out this new situation. Here is the risen Lord, right in the middle of their midst. And he's saying, my peace. And it's not just a polite greeting, shalom. Although that would be the common thing. But do you understand what's going on? You have peace now. You have right relationship with the Holy Father. There is literal peace. You are in good standing with God. And because of that, you have rest and peace. Because of what I have just done for you. And because I rose again... And here I am, and it is offered to you because I paid the price for your sin. 
that which you could not pay, all of the offering that you did, it was not enough. All of your good efforts, all of your good work, it did not take away the fact that we are all sinners. And we stand in the presence of a holy God, Yahweh, the great I Am, the creator of you and me. And we cannot pay the price. We cannot do enough. Kuala Lumpur, Malaysia. A Malaysian man received a phone bill the other day. $218 trillion. And he was ordered to pay up within 10 days or face jail. Yahya Wahab was his name. Said he disconnected his late father's phone line in January and he settled up the bill for $23. All of a sudden he received by Telecom Malaysia, a $218 trillion phone bill, and again said, pay up in 10 days or you will go to prison. Nobody can ever pay up $218 trillion for a phone bill. And that's what God's telling us. Your payment, which you can never pay, has been paid. What seemed impossible to come into the presence of a holy God has been set clean. The balances are equal. And you are now right with God. Peace be with you, disciples. Peace be with you, Cole Community Church. You can have right relationship with our Heavenly Father because Jesus Christ has paid the price for our sin. And that is the good news. He is risen. And he is standing in the middle of them. And he reveals himself to them. That's why he shows the marks. It is me. I am the risen Jesus who you knew. And I have come back. It's a real body in front of you. Not some ghost. Jesus Christ. Fully in their presence. And they rejoice. And because of that good news, they have incredible joy, the scriptures say. Do you have that joy because of the fact that you have a risen Christ who has come to you and offered you peace and offered you life as you believe upon him? That is joy. And what God does when he offers that, we go from incredible fear to rejoicing. Incredible pain and struggle and not understanding to rejoicing because of who he is. The only thing I can imagine that circumstances switch so quickly is is like when you lose your, your little child in a store and you're absolutely panicked and fearful and and you don't know what to do and, and where to look. And then you see someone walking them down the aisle and you just and you rejoice. I think all of us parents have probably gone through that at one time or another. We've just lost our Savior. We've lost our Messiah who we thought was going to lead us into a kingdom. That He was going to take authority. And then their eyes are opened and He's returned. And they rejoice. Do you rejoice in the Lord Jesus Christ this morning because of the good news? Well, Jesus Christ shows up. And again, how He got in the room, we don't really know. 
But he stands in the middle of them and he, and he starts to speak to them again, peace upon you. And so the question is, why, why does he come now to them? What's his purpose? He's fulfilled all that he came to do, right? He died for us and he rose again like the prophets said, like Jesus told them. Was it just to say goodbye? I just wanted to let you guys know one more time, I love you guys. And so I just want to say goodbye, because I'm headed up to the Father. What was his purpose? What was he speaking to them? Was it just to comfort them in this difficult time? He knew it would be trying and challenging. Jesus stands in the middle, fully resurrected, Jesus Christ. And he has purpose. And the purpose is, I am sending you. I have purpose for your life. Now that you know, now that you rejoice in who I am, now that you have life in me as you put your faith in me, the resurrection as the Father has sent me, dear disciples, so I am sending you, Cole Community Church, that he has purpose for your life. That we can't sit here every Sunday and, and stay behind these closed doors. And we can't sit here and, and just receive and enjoy the Lord and have a nice little Christian club. It's sweet to have fellowship, and I love it. And I hope you do as well. But that's not why Christ came for us, just to have fellowship with one another. That's not why He paid the price. He loves the fact that you love Him. He loves the fact that you know truth. But there's a whole world who does not know. There's a whole world who longs to hear that. Jesus loves you. He has indeed died for your sin. He has indeed risen again. I am sending you. And I give my peace upon you as I'm sending you. And go and do this as the Father has sent me. As I came to the Father and rested in the Father, as I came to the Father and asked Him, Lord, where do you want me? Lord, your will be done. As I went to the Father in these ways, so I send you out. That you and I as well would stand in the presence of the Father. We have access now to the Holy of Holies, don't we? And we say, Lord, where do you want to send me? You know what's wonderful? July 16th, we get to celebrate with all of our missionaries over all these years, these wonderful men and women who were sent out because their hearts grieved over the fact that people have not heard this good news. And we get to rejoice with them as they come, and we get to rejoice as we're sending more missionaries out. I don't know if you know that, but we are. And so we come and celebrate God's call upon their lives. I don't want you to miss that time. If you haven't put on your calendars already, do. July 16th. There's going to be all kinds of wonderful things that whole week, but that day is, is our great celebration together. God sending out, because the good news is, He is risen. He is risen indeed. And they want people to know and to share what God did in their testimony. We need that from each other, don't we? Because again, we get afraid. It's like, I don't know if I can do this. Well, let me tell you how God did it through me. 
in my brokenness, I still want out. He doesn't give them very much here, does he? Peace be upon you. I'm sending you out. Same Holy Spirit's going to come upon you that dwells in us today. Because there is a real emergency out there. Did you hear about the little boy who called 911 several times as his mother was collapsing on the floor? This is a real emergency. My mother is dying. And they said it's just a prank. And she died. I'm sending you because there's a real emergency. This is a real 911 call. People are dying because they have no relationship with Jesus Christ. And they will forever be separated from him as they have not heard and they do not know. And I'm sending you out because this world is broken and in need of a Savior. Are you willing, truly, are you willing to be sent to the farthest reaches of the earth to our children's ministry, to our women's ministry? Are you willing to be sent to bring this good news so that people might know that he is life? For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever should believe upon him shall not perish but have eternal life. That's the truth. If you believe upon that, And every believer has the wonderful privilege and the responsibility to bring that good news to this world. Every one of us. What's God doing in your heart? Again, that Holy Spirit is dwelling with you, and I know because He's a living Holy Spirit that He's stirring you at times. He doesn't want us to be paralyzed by fear. He doesn't want us to be in that room with locked doors saying, I've come Because I'm sending you. And Jesus, through his atonement, makes that message possible, doesn't he? Jesus, through his death on that cross, makes it possible to give the message. And because he rose again. And then he says this, and he breathed upon them. Receive the Holy Spirit. Well, what happened here? This is an interesting scene. (sighs) Receive the Holy Spirit. There's a real image of the creation, isn't there? Life into Adam. And I breathe upon you. And so there is this imagery of, of new creation of a new way or order of things, of a new life through Jesus Christ now. (sighs) Receive the Holy Spirit. Possibly, possibly it was preparation or foreshadowing of what was to come at Pentecost in Acts chapter 2 that he was preparing them to receive, be ready for what is to come. But there is another possibility. And to be honest, we don't really know the answer. But the other possibility is that at this moment, 
Jesus breathed upon them and gave them the person of the Holy Spirit at that time. Why? I am sending you out now in the power of the Holy Spirit. And what happens at Pentecost, what you'll see is, you'll see a filling of the Spirit, but their specific purpose. You'll see the tongues of fire, and you'll see that they spoke in languages so that all could understand what? The good news. That possibly at this scene, God gave them the Spirit, and at the Pentecost, the filling of the Spirit came in these wonderful manifestations so that God could use them. I don't lean either direction. I know that God promised the Holy Spirit, and I know he came. But in this scene, I tend to lean towards, and he's sending them out. And as the Spirit empowers them to go out, look what he says to them. He says, I'm sending you out, and here's what you get to do. If you forgive anyone's sins, they are forgiven. If, if you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. I'm sending you out to teach this. And we kind of go, well, what is that? Am I a priest all of a sudden? Am I the one who goes out and I, I exact justice and I tell people what they're doing is wrong and, and here's the way it is? And you better come to me and I'm the authority. And What's he offering to them? There definitely is some leadership as the apostles begin the church and as they go out in helping people understand who they are. But I think as they go out from this place, what Jesus is doing is he's saying this, proclaim what is true. Go out and proclaim what is true. If you come to believe that Jesus indeed did die on the cross, if you come to believe that he rose again, if you come to believe that as you accept him, you receive salvation, that you shall no longer perish but have life eternally, as you believe that, you are forgiven, clean. That is true. The opposite of that is, if you choose to continue to live your life in your own strength, if you continue to sin and you think that it's all going to be just okay, if you continue to exact a lifestyle that is opposite of everything that God has for you, if you truly reject Jesus... The outcome of that is you're not forgiven. That's true. And so proclaim this truth so that people understand where they are in Christ. And we can. We can say to people, truly, they are forgiven. Some people just need to hear that. They're forgiven because of what Christ has said. It's hard for us to know the heart of people and so for us to ever say you're not forgiven, boy, that's a tough spot to be in. But when they've said and they've, they've broken before the Lord and they said, I want to be right with God, the, the, the answer to that is you are forgiven. You're cleansed because of what Christ has done for you. And so we go out, we're sent out proclaiming that. And as we go out and we proclaim truth, what do we run into? What does it look like? Who are the people that we come in contact with? And I think what we're going to see here is we run into the skeptic. The skeptic may be in our midst. 
The skeptic may be you or me. Do we sometimes go, this doesn't fit for me? How does this all pan out? This doesn't work like I thought it would. I have a certain way I need to see this. Let's look at the rest of John 20. Now Thomas, called Didymus, which means the twin, so he had a twin brother. One of the twelve was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe it. A week later, his disciples were in the, the house again. And Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, once again, Jesus did this deal. And Jesus came and he stood among them and he said, Peace be with you. And then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here. See my hands. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. And Thomas said to him, Look at this response. My Lord and my God. And Jesus told him, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. And Jesus did many other miracles and signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book, but these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. Thomas is a wonderful character. I love him because he's so authentic and real. And I think, I think again, he gets kind of a bum rap. <clears throat> Verse 25, again, says this. And, and there's something about Thomas that, struggles, uh, that he struggles with. He says this in 25. But he said to them, Unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were, His answer is, I will not believe. I will not believe. He doesn't say, I cannot believe until I see this. But I will not. Do you know that? Is that part of you sometimes? Is that part of the skeptics that you run into? I understand Christianity in one way. And it needs to be proven to me in such a way. And unless it's shown to me... In this way, I will not believe. It's not just, well, it's sort of a struggle for me. I need to work through this. I have my demands on how Christianity will work for me. And the Lord will be lucky if I believe upon him, if he proves these things to me. If there's archaeological proof that can show that the Bible is accurate and true, I will believe. If the resurrection can be proven then maybe I'll believe. If you heal me or my family member from the disease that they have, it's only in that parameter will I believe. If you give me this job, O God, then I will believe. You must reveal yourself to me, some powerful wind, fire from heaven. I must see a miracle. Otherwise, I will not believe. We are all skeptical at times. And you will run into many a skeptic as you share the good news of Jesus Christ. And Thomas, for the moment, was. 
He was with them for three and a half years and still a skeptic. But look what the Lord Jesus offers to the skeptic, to you and to me. And what should we offer to those who are struggling or demanding of how it should look? I think Jesus offers peace. I think he offers understanding. I think he offers patience. And I think he offers life. I was on the plane a couple weeks ago with my wife, and we were headed to California, and we were coming back. <clears throat> it just so happened, as God works, that for some reason they didn't have Kena listed on the plane. I was listed, and I had my seat, and Kena gets up there, and they're like, we don't have you. It's like, what are you talking about? Here's the paperwork. They're like, no, you're not in the computer. Well, we paid, and here's our you know, e-ticket confirmation, and so we need to do something about this. So she said, well, it's a really full plane, so um, let me see. Oh, it looks like we have one spot up front. You know, it's like row two, and I was in row 23. So I grumbled the whole way back. She got row two. And I thought, yeah, what a bummer. You know, I like to talk with my wife on the plane, and, and it's just a nice time as we go home, and so I get back to row 23, and this woman sits next to me. And, and uh, so for two hours on the way home, we talk about Jesus Christ. She was a skeptic. How can a good God allow things to happen? Other statements like this. I am a good person. She said that very plain, plainly. I am a good person. And I very nicely said, and who told you that? <laughs> Almost lost her at that point, but I got her back. <laughs> I reeled her in. <clears throat> but I, I said, truly, by what, by what standard do you measure that? Because the only standard that I can measure that is before a holy God. And the God of the Bible says that I have been cleansed, but only by the death of his son and the resurrection as I believe upon him. Otherwise, we're just left to wonder if we make it. Am I right? And she really pondered that. And you know, we had a delightful conversation. I didn't slam her with the Bible. I didn't disprove all her points. Patience and understanding, love of Christ. I reminded her that Jesus loved her. She had been through a couple divorces. It was a delightful time. And when we were done, she said, you know what? I really appreciated our time together. I said, I did as well. That's what you're going to run into. And you offer life because there's 911 out there. And we're going to run into the skeptic. And Jesus does that with Thomas and he does it with us. And we're supposed to be sent out and do the same. And he says, come and touch me, Thomas. Come. It's me, I'm the Messiah. This is why I came. Stop your unbelief, your desire to, to fit me in this box, Thomas. Knock it off. It's me. And you know what happens? This is what I love about Thomas. You don't even see this in the Scripture. God offers him. He says, you know what, I understand your struggle. Come and touch me. But truly, what you see left out, and it just makes me wonder, you don't see Thomas, the action verb, and Thomas went and, and touched Jesus. 
Thomas went and grabbed a hold of him. You don't see it. I think he's pierced by the love of Christ. And then he says, My Lord, my God. And he puts his faith in Jesus Christ. Not because he proved himself and, and all the archaeological points and the, and the five reasons why the resurrection are true. The loving, piercing, gazing eyes of Jesus into his soul. And he cries out, My Lord, my God. That's the message we offer. And he says, do you believe because you've seen me? Oh, blessed are those who believe and don't see. That's you and me. And it's not more blessed are those who believe and don't see. Sometimes we put a hierarchy like Thomas was a lower disciple. Do you understand? The other guys all got to see Jesus too, by the way. And when they saw him, they, they started to believe. But he's saying, oh, as the Holy Spirit's working and as you're trusting in me, blessed are you. That would be you and I again. We don't see Jesus in physical form. We have him in our life, in our soul. Blessed are we as we believe and we live in faith, as the Lord reveals himself to us. Do you believe? I write these things so that you may believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and that by believing what you may have life. And as you receive this life, so I am sending you to give it to the world. Amen? Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we come this morning to sit before your table in communion and to reflect upon the fact that we have life because of you. You paid the price for us, Lord Jesus. And you rose again. And as we believe upon you, Lord Jesus, you have promised us life in you, and we thank you this morning for that. We remember you and what you did for us. And Lord Jesus, get us out of that locked room, please. And stir us through your Holy Spirit that you would send us out, Lord Jesus, I pray. We acknowledge you again this morning as Lord and as Savior. My Lord, my God. Amen. Let's take communion together.
We had the opportunity this week as a staff to uh, go to McCall and to just uh, reflect on who our Lord Jesus Christ is. And we really felt a need this week um, to just be in prayer, prayer over this church, over you guys individually, uh, prayer over the staff, just begging God for continued unity in his work and his life in our midst. And so we just humbled ourselves before our living God and, and learned and, and, and went through the Lord's Prayer together. And one of the things that was, I was reminded of in the Lord's Prayer is that it's corporate. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Give us this day our daily bread. You see, we come to recognize who he is, our father, our daddy, but also our king, our Lord. We get to come into his presence. Thou art hallowed. You are holy beyond holy. We cannot stand in your presence without the payment of your son. Thy kingdom come, that your kingdom work would be done on this earth. And so as we say, give us this day our daily bread. All that we need, Lord Jesus, to live out your life in us, your kingdom work in us. And that can only be done because of the fact that you died, your body was broken, the fact that you rose again. Give us this day our daily bread. Christ's body broken for you.